welcome to Kenyan Mama Tales. It's me, Carol Oyola, and hope you guys are doing well. Hope you guys are good. Did you listen to the latest episode? You know it is March, and in March it is Endometriosis Awareness Month. Now, the last episode we had Elsie Wandera, who is the founder of the Endometriosis Foundation of Kenya, and my God. That girl has info from here to Timbuktu. If you missed out on it, you need to listen to that one. You really, really need to. Anywho, um, this month I will be focusing on endo warriors, um, ladies who are overcoming this condition day by day and are spreading the yellow wherever they can. So if you're trying to figure out what is spreading the yellow, yes. Um, so the official color for endometriosis is yellow and um if you want, if you want to be able to support it anyway, um, feel free to spread the yellow. Now that can mean maybe you wear a yellow ribbon or a yellow scarf or a yellow top, or just find ways um, to get this message going out that we really need endometriosis out there. Um, it really is affecting lots of women, as uh, Elsie mentioned in the last podcast, and she gave some really horrific statistics. We need to get the message out there because there's so many women suffering and they have no clue or no idea or even no resources or means to access quality health care and to act, uh, get a proper diagnosis for their condition. All right. So next up uh, this week, we have S. Kimemia. Now, S is a Facebook friend of mine. Uh, we met on Facebook and like she is just an amazing spirit. Like that girl has an amazing and gentle and warm soul. Um, yes, I did physically meet her uh, once, I think, or twice, but she's based at the coast. S is a menstrual health advocate and trainer. She's an endometriosis ambassador and you can find her page Yellow Endo Flower. S is also an author. She wrote a book called Bloom where she explains um, the whole, she's basically talking about menstrual health and she holds period parties around the coastal region to get young girls to understand menstrual health and how they can see it as a natural phenomenon and not to be ashamed of it. So I caught up with S on phone recently. So have a listen. Hi S, thank you so much for giving, I mean, taking time. <laughs> I know you're in between handling a newborn and every other task that you're doing, but thank you so yeah. much for your time. Thank you for having me. Great. So um, I'm doing a Spread the Yellow series on this podcast and um, we're doing like because it's March and it's Endometriosis Awareness Month. So, yeah. of course, you are <laughs> one of the people on my list. Like I remember when I was writing down like, hmm, who do I know who has endo? <laughs> and I was like, aha, yes, definitely. So yeah. um, just Quickly, just like tell us, um, because I know your pay, on your page, Yellow End of Flower, this month you've been basically like documenting or I know you've been, you're a blogger and you document a lot of your thoughts and your experiences. But um, for those who may not know your story, um, like tell us when you discovered you had endo and how was that all about? How did it come about? Okay. Sure. So... I found out I had endometriosis 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. 
that was like I think the best and worst time of my life. I had symptoms begin maybe 16 years ago. Wow. It took six years for me to find a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And diagnosis here meaning that I had a laparoscopy and they confirmed that I had endometriosis. Mm-hmm. So I think I started having my first symptoms when I was a preteen, but they got like really bad when I was 15. Mm-hmm. So I remember I went up Mount Kenya. This was my second time up, so nothing new. Mm-hmm. But when I came down, it's like a tap opened within me. Wow. So my period was extremely heavy, extremely painful, and full of clots. And that's a period that I, you know, the period that you remember, and you're like, yeah. this is when things stand already. <laughs> yeah. And after that, my periods were just like a flood, <laughs> literally. I remember wow. soiling my sheets. Wow. I think that's the thing that I remember the most about my teenage period. Yeah. They were horrible. They were nothing that I was explained to. Mm-hmm. You know, you're told here is a patch. Yeah. And like... change it. <laughs> yes, change it in the morning, change it in the evening. I was changing my pad too often. Yeah. And then I had back aches. I had, you know, the normal cramps as well. Mm. I had bloating, but I never really thought much about it. I could fit in my clothes during the week mm. or like during the month. But when my period came, all of a sudden, I can't close the button of my skirt or I can't close the button of my trouser. Mm. When I got older and went to university, I think it got much worse because I couldn't fit into trousers at all. Oh dear. I had to wear dresses. I had my wardrobe was split into two yeah. dresses for periods. And then, you know, they also have to be the good colors. Yeah, because in case of soiling yourself, yeah. Yeah, and then now the trousers for the rest of the month. But I think what actually made me realize I had endometriosis was not the period, Mm -hmm. or rather not the period pain, because I was made to believe that period pain was normal. Mm -hmm. My mom had painful periods, and everyone was like, you know, suck it up, it will get better. Yeah. But the thing that actually took me to hospital, or mm-hmm. rather thought to seek medical attention, was the UTIs and the yeast infection. Mm-hmm. So I kept having urinary tract infections, I was on antibiotics, but this time now I was in university. Mm-hmm. And the doctor would treat them, but then at some point it's like, I think there's something else that's going on. Mm-hmm. So I sent to a urologist, and he went in. So I had my first surgery, he went in. And he just gave me a diagnosis of chronic cystitis. Basically, I was prone to infection. Mm. He gave me antibiotics, but the pain didn't go. So I go back to now the GP, the physician, and he sends me to a gynecologist. Mm. So that's the time that I actually got a diagnosis. After many tests, mm. I think at that time I I stopped feeling ashamed. You know how you're shy about yeah. your body? Because <laughs> like, you've done so many, so many tests, you're like, you know what, whatever. <laughs> You're just like, I remove now. You know, I saw a meme recently where you hide your underwear, but your doctor is going to peep into your cervix. Yeah. It just ends completely. So the doctor went in and he found out that I had had endometriosis. So it was connecting my bowel, my Mm. large intestine, and my left ovary. So it explained the pain on the left side, Mm -hmm. explained the pain also on the bladder. But the interesting thing is this. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that constipation was not normal. So I probably was able to go to the bathroom properly in my 20s for the first time. Mm. Like wow. now after surgery. Oh, wow. So that whole time yeah. you were struggling, but you thought, ah, 
it's part of the period. Uh, yeah, yeah so. and it would get worse like, during my period because you go like from extreme constipation to extreme diarrhea. Like yeah. it was like this color. It's from one one extreme to the other. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you finally found out, um, because I, I also spoke to Elsie, who's um, yeah. sure you know, um, yeah. and she was saying that it takes approximately like maybe nine years to figure out, I mean, to diagnose um, endometriosis, because even just listening to your story, um, yeah. it's it's some of those things that it doesn't hit you, of course, that's not the first thing that comes to your mind. And even the way your symptoms manifested is so different also from how has manifested so yes. um now you found out that okay i have endo so what next like what did you have to go on meds or um was there any like ex, uh, other surgeries that you had to go through or how severe or mild was it um in terms of after your diagnosis so i found out this is so 2010. Mm. So the interesting thing about 2010 is there was not much information on endometriosis, even on the internet. Mm. In terms of endo warriors in Kenya, I only knew one other one. Mm. So the information was limited. So I didn't know what to do and what not to do. So my mm. doctor put me on hormone replacement therapy. Mm-hmm. And I, I was 19 at the time. And I immediately had menopausal symptoms. Mm-hmm. So yes, the pain went away. Yeah. But then it like opened this other box that I was not ready for. I was yeah. not walked through the side effects at all. So I was happy to not have the pain. But then I was depressed. I gained, that was the fastest 5 kgs I have ever gained in my whole life. That yeah. took 5 years to shed off. Yeah. And then depressed. Uh, sleeping was difficult. The hot flashes in June and July were ridiculous mm. because I felt like you know a, a fifty-year-old woman trapped in a nineteen-year-old body, yeah. and I didn't like the symptoms. I remember after that because one of the side effects is that it reduces your bone density. My bones began to creak. Like you know when you crack your knuckles. Mm. And you hear that crackling yeah, sound. That crackling sound. So I'd be walking, and I could hear my pelvis crackling. Are you kidding just, me? Yeah. So oh. my city went down, and I could feel it. So you immediately feel like you will never be the same yeah. again. Yeah. You know those lasting side effects. Yeah. So that was during my second surgery. I did end up having another surgery for endometriosis. Mm-hmm. And this was the following year, and it was because I was running on the treadmill one day and I had a sharp pain mm-hmm. um, just at my belly button. And when I went in, my appendix had had ruptured, so we went in for surgery and we removed the appendix and went and removed adhesions on now my left side oh, wow. for endometriosis. Yeah. After that, it was basically the normal painkillers, you know, being an endo-warrior sort of makes you want to self-medicate because yeah. you know the dose that you're given over the counter most times is never enough. Yeah. So you're trying to like to sort of find mm. a good balance that keeps you off pain. Mm-hmm. And that was my life. And then I was, went on the oral contraceptive at some point. Yeah, I got married, went on the oral contraceptive. But one day I woke up, Carol, and I didn't feel like myself. Mm-hmm. I felt like an alien in my own body. And when I say that, people are like, what do you really mean? Mm-hmm. But my emotions self-controlled by something else other than myself in terms of my moods as well. And I realized I'd been on so 
on so many hormones that mm-hmm. I'd lost my own balance. Oh, wow. So I got off and my body was not happy. I had acne, you know, face, mm-hmm. back, chest, arms. I think now the imbalance was even worse than before. Mm-hmm. But I knew that this was the best thing that I was doing for myself. Mm-hmm. I didn't know about how I was going to manage the pain, but I just realized this is not who I want to be. I was mm-hmm. sad all the time. I could put my finger on it. You know how you're sad and you wake up one day and you're like, yeah. but this is not to me. Yeah, and why am I even this sad and everything? Exactly, yeah. yeah. Oh. So I woke up one day and I told my husband, I'm done. Mm. And I was done. <laughs> and some of my parents were horrible. Yeah. <laughs> Extremely horrible after that. But I decided there has to be another way. So I started trying to treat the other symptoms because mm. I realized it wasn't just the period pain putting me down. Mm. It was these other pains. So it was the UTI in the middle of the month, the yeast infection, the back aches, the constipation. Those, I think, cumulatively were even worse than just that period pain. Mm. The constant discomfort. Yeah. So I started cleaning up my diet and then I got sick. Oh, wow. And also, yeah. yes, <laughs> and you have a beautiful family right now, and this is now your yeah. third, right? <laughs> yes. And so it's so like hearing also that because I want to also yeah. bring in the aspect of conception and um, also endometriosis and infertility because there are some women who have struggled also to conceive um, yeah. with endometriosis, but in your case, here you are <laughs> with yeah. three beautiful children. Um, it's it's sort of like a symbol of hope, I I think I would say, because maybe to um, have you also experienced other endo warriors who have conceived. Um, Of course, there are others who are still battling it, but um, is it that um, people should also know that even with endometriosis, you can still um, bear a child, even despite um, all the crazy horror stories we've heard? Yeah, I think the thing that I've realized is that endometriosis is not a one-size-fits-all. Mm-hmm. That's why you'll find that different women have different symptoms for the same disease. Yeah. And it's also how it affects the reproductive organs. It also plays a big mm-hmm. a big role in terms of conception and fertility as well. Mm-hmm. So if it blocks your fallopian tubes, for instance, it will be a bit harder to conceive. But sometimes the endo just does what it wants. Like yeah. it cannot even be explained why you're struggling. Mm. Because endometriosis is just that, endometriosis. Mm. I remember when I was 19 and my doctors kept telling me that I needed to have children at 19. Oh, even Elsie said the same thing. <laughs> and I was just like, you guys are ridiculous. I want I my mom. I I'm know. not ready to be anyone's mom. <laughs> I know. And I'm so glad that I waited to have children because I was not in the frame of mind. I think that vulnerability, the being in pain at all times, having an altered state of mind, if mm-hmm. I could put it that way, mm-hmm. that's not a conducive environment for raising children the way you want to raise them. Mm-hmm. I would go to the emergency room and they'd ask me why aren't you pregnant, you know, just look for someone and get pregnant. And I'm like, I'm not even finished my degree I and the baby will not eat. I know. You know, just eat. Because and you just don't also want to get some random yeah. baby. <laughs> random guy but having a baby. Exactly. So mm. there was a lot of pressure to get a baby and, you know, a baby being used as a cure, mm. you know, sort of being baited into motherhood because mm. they think that that time of you being pregnant, you know, you won't have any pain. Maybe when you're breastfeeding, you know, the periods have not yet come back. Mm. 
and then when they do come back maybe the pain will have reduced a little mm-hmm. but every woman's story is different mm-hmm. for me i did not have problems conceiving mm-hmm. uh those now i found out that one of my tubes was actually damaged recently mm-hmm. so but you see those are things you don't really see from yeah. the outside in so yeah. you never really know what's going on within mm-hmm. Mm. But yes, definitely I would say I have seen a different side. I think over the 10 years my story has changed. My story has morphed. I don't experience the pain that I used to. Mm. And I've seen God's healing hand through mm. it all. Mm. Even through having the children doesn't mean that the pain disappeared one day. Mm. But I have seen a constant improvement mm. over the days. Like after my first child I was still having painful periods. Mm. But now just that conscious decision and just trusting for healing, I've actually seen an improvement that I can have periods without staining my sheets. Mm. I can have periods without taking any painkillers. You know, a normal period. Yeah. A concept that I never really understood. Mm-hmm. But infertility does, back to infertility, it does, it is real. It's a real struggle for many women. Mm. But it, endometriosis doesn't always equal infertility. Yeah. And I'm yeah. and I mean I'm glad you said that because um it's true um and it's it's just amazing just how similar what you said is to Elsie in terms of how endo is just this weird condition that um like you said one size does not fit all so every woman yeah. has their own story but they're suffering from the same disease um and so that's yeah, that's just mind blowing for me because it just makes me want to know more about this endo because it's just weird. But anyway, that's why I think there's so much awareness right now um, yeah. to try and spread the word about it. But um, looking into now, uh, because you're a menstrual health advocate and yeah. you wrote an amazing book, which I need to get, by the way, what kind of a friend I am. <laughs> Um, because I was like, hey, I need to get this because uh, soon and very soon I have a daughter who I need to, I mean, I, as much as we have all the information, I think sometimes it's also good to hear from other mothers as well and other advocates, especially locally, because we get so much information that's foreign in yeah. quotes. Um, and so you need something that you can apply in your context. So you wrote the book Bloom. And yeah. I just want to find out what inspired you to write a book that you have used um, continually in your menstrual health awareness. I think being a mother, <laughs> being a mother yeah. of a girl. Yeah. I think the day that I gave birth, I realized I have to do something. Mm. Her story has to be different from mine. And the interesting thing is I'm a mother of girls now. Yeah. And I think God was just somewhere saying, you need to do something. And mm. it's a constant reminder, living, breathing reminders. Mm. But I wrote Bloom because I wanted girls to know what I wish I knew as a teenage girl. Mm. I realized we have insufficient information mm. regarding our menstrual health journeys. Giving a pad and a panty is not enough mm. because it doesn't equip the girl to understand what's going on in her body. Mm. I believe a period is more than just something that makes you cringe every month. Yeah. It's, a, it's your menstrual health summary. Like it tells you how your hormones are doing. So mm-hmm. how your period looks, how your period feels is significant mm-hmm. and it should be taken 
note of. Mm -hmm. So Bloom was just telling girls, this is how period should feel, mm -hmm. this is how period should look, mm -hmm. these are the warning signs you should look out for, mm -hmm. the emotional changes that you will face during your cycle, mm -hmm. and these are the things to note down during your cycle. Awesome. Things like how heavy was your flow, mm -hmm. how long did it last, mm -hmm. what were you craving, what color was the blood, mm -hmm. and texture as well. How are you feeling emotionally as well? You know, many women, we joke about PMS, premenstrual yes. syndrome, <laughs> yeah. but it actually is a big deal for yeah. some. Like, yeah. they their life complete, completely. Mm. So, Bloom was my, is my way of equipping girls mm. to take charge of their menstrual health journeys. Awesome. And I know you yeah. hold period parties, and I'm sure people are thinking, a period, but for what? <laughs> So like, yes. what, what are period parties and um, what has been your experience, especially with them? I'm hearing from the young girls. Period parties are a fun way to introduce girls into womanhood. Mm. I, it helps them see that being a woman is exciting, that periods are normal, nothing to be afraid of, mm. that the changes that happen in your body are exactly what God intended to happen. Mm. Mm. So it takes away any shame that may have been introduced subtly mm. along their journey of childhood mm -hmm. and it helps them realize that being a woman is a beautiful thing, mm -hmm. your periods are a beautiful thing <coughs> and they are worth being celebrated. Mm -hmm. My experience has been that there's a lot of misinformation out there. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing I would say uh, because we are not necessarily talking about periods openly. So. What girls glean from here and there, a few rumors here and there actually becomes the foundation that they build their whole menstrual health journey on. Mm. So there's a lot of destroying in terms of myths mm. and now building in terms of facts that we need to do. Mm. But girls are generally willing to be excited about periods. Like how you introduce a girl to something plays a big role mm. and they actually feel genuinely happy that someone can break it down to them. Something yeah. you know, I can't talk to my mom about this, or my auntie told me periods are bad mm. because they have had all these things. So just to come and be able to ask, but I had, or excuse me, is this true? Mm. Is actually refreshing for them. But yeah. being able to teach them about anatomy because no one teaches you about anatomy. When oh, you yeah. ask a girl, how many <laughs> openings do you have? Mm. And then you know, they break down their groups one, two, three. Mm. But just being able to all agree that it's three and know mm. the functions of the three is also mm. really, really good. And I think that's amazing because I, I totally agree. Some of us only found out about um, our reproductive health or even our menstrual health specifically. Yeah. Um, way late into our 20s or like I, I don't think I even knew what was going on in my body while I was um, when I was going through my period in early adolescence when I was a teenager because of course um, I didn't have the information and yeah. there's so many things that come about you know when you were also talking about yeast infections I got lots of them in high school um, yeah and of course, because of either sharing the toilets or buckets or just also be, think, yeast infections that come with your period, but you have no clue because you're so ashamed, yeah. you cannot tell anyone. And yeah. I think it's really, really important. And, and that's why I said, I mean, I looked at that and I thought that was just a brilliant way of yeah. letting the girls grow up confident in themselves, knowing that this is all a God-made process. He designed us this way. 
and so there's no shame in everything yeah. else like nowadays i like i was even telling like was having the chat with elsie about how pads when you go to a supermarket and they are packed in and wrapped in newspapers like you're buying something so horrible okay, um, when you tell them please don't pack because they look at you like what's wrong what's wrong what, what is your yeah. problem there's a time where even had like pads just you know now with this whole no paper bags and they didn't have bags and i didn't want to buy others because i have so many and i remember putting them yeah. just on the trolley like that and people are looking at me like guy is this woman mad <laughs> <laughs> but i'm like wait we all get periods like it's not anything to be ashamed about so i really applaud you for that um yeah. and i really hope like you can keep doing more i know you're doing them within your region in coast <laughs> um but yeah. i know you've done some in nairobi but i really hope the message um grows so what do you f- um just wrapping it up in terms of your awareness on menstrual health and also as an endo warrior um, what do you think needs to be done moving forward, um, especially with endometriosis? You're already doing your part in menstrual health, and we're seeing many others um, also doing it. But in terms of endo, what is like what is that what thing that ideal world you'd want to see regarding endo? Yes, I think there's so many things that would come into this ideal world. The first mm. thing would be education. Mm. And education, when you think of education, you only think of children or mm. girls in school. But it's education of the girls and their moms as well. Because you can't empower girls who will go home and be shut down. Yeah. So you need to empower both the girls and their support system. Mm. That's the first thing. It's not just the girls, it's the boys as well. So it's empowering the family unit. Mm. And then the second thing is making sure that it's easy to access healthcare. The only reason that I think I had a very short time of getting a diagnosis is because I had a corporate insurance at mm. the time. Mm. Because it's difficult, it's expensive to get a diagnosis for for endometriosis. Yeah. And not many people can afford it. And, you know, if you go in with a cover, maybe an individual cover, they might tell you no. Mm. And you now have to start looking for the money. So the, first, the second thing would be definitely access to healthcare access to quality mm-hmm. uh, resources in terms of getting a laparoscopy, not just being told I think you have endometriosis, but actually getting a diagnosis of mm-hmm. endometriosis. Mm-hmm. And then doing research, I know that in 2010, I could have believed we were maybe 100 women in Kenya with endometriosis, mm-hmm. but 10 years later, I know we are definitely more. So it could yeah. be doing research and knowing knowing this number of women have endometriosis in Kenya and what are the types of endometriosis that are prevalent in Kenya. Mm. Because long, you know, when Jambi's story came out, we knew that's when we knew about thoracic endometriosis, but she's not the only woman. Mm. Where are the other women in Kenya going to seek medical advice? Mm. Can we make that access easier for them? Mm. And can we support these women? Because endometriosis just doesn't affect your reproductive system. Mm-hmm. It also affects your mind. It affects your productivity. It affects your emotions as well. Mm. So being able to have support centers that women can come to for more information, women can come to for psychological help, mm-hmm. someone to talk to, and we have, you know, like disability cards as well, yeah. that say, I can't work the full 40 hours, mm-hmm. but I can work 20 hours a week, because endometriosis has affected the quality of my life, mm-hmm. and we have more employers willing to stand up for their employees who have endometriosis, and not look at them like they're a burden, mm-hmm. 
there is a lot of work that needs everyone to take responsibility for people at the top in government, for the people in the schools, for us, normal citizens, to just decide that one in ten women is one too many women and yeah. we need to stand up for these women. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Thank you so much, S. I really, truly, truly appreciate like your story and what you're doing is just so amazing and inspiring. Okay. And yeah, I mean, just keep doing it. Just keep um, going out in faith and obedience to God because, like you mentioned, it's all something that God was nudging you to do. There's a reason why yes. you gave you the girls. <laughs> Yes. And so this is just your purpose and so keep fulfilling it. So thank you so much for your time. I know you are yes <laughs> deep in newborn that. <laughs> yeah, and newborn phase. And so I really, really appreciate. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Much. Thank you for having us. Thank you for spreading the word on endometriosis. Oh, we don't take it for granted. Thank you. I, I really yes. like I I mean I know I know Jambi personally and we went to school yes. with her. So I think um, seeing your story, seeing Elsie's, and then seeing Jambi's, I was like, you know what, this is something I have no clue <laughs> about. Yeah. And so as much as I'm spreading the awareness, it's also for me to learn. And um, and I think it's also that thing. It's a ripple effect once people um, understand and are able to be more aware and have the yeah. knowledge and the education, they also spread the information much better. Yeah, so thank you, Yanni. I'm blessed. <laughs> Told you guys, S is just amazing, isn't she? She's just a brilliant, brilliant human being. Um, and you can catch her on Instagram on Yellow Endo Flower. Do not worry, I'll put that on the description. But isn't it just amazing to hear the great things women out here are doing? Um, so remember to spread the yellow this March. It is Endometriosis Awareness Month, and I really do hope that um, this episode was a blessing to you as it was to me. And so until next time, bless.